This is the Bartholomew Town Podcast. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Bartholomew Town's continuing coverage of the impact of COVID-19 here in Rhode Island. I'm Bill Bartholomew. On today's episode, taking a look at the new stimulus package with Bloom Shapiro's Joseph Fian. Bloom Shapiro is a global leader in taxation, accounting, and other financial advisory matters. So this is a great opportunity to speak with someone who can really break down the specifics of the stimulus bill in terms of how it's going to be impacting large businesses, small businesses, independent contractors, individuals, governments. So there's a lot in here today. And obviously, when it comes to the economics of this broad situation, it's an evolving story. It's um, something that we're trying to stay on top of and bring you the latest information. I know there's a lot of independent contractors out there in the listening audience, musicians, service industry workers, uh, creatives across all different sectors that right now you are in a tough spot. Uh, You have no idea where to turn to to get some kind of benefits or help. Hopefully, this will provide you with a a little bit more understanding about the specifics of the bill. Same for small businesses, same for large businesses, and those of you in government that are out there listening right now. And of course, bringing you as much content as we can without overwhelming you here this week and certainly into next week. I'll have new episodes through the weekend. Um, We're going to cover things from the scientific aspect of this process through the economic aspect of it through the cultural. So stand by, stay with Bartholomew Town for the latest on COVID-19 here in Rhode Island. So I'm, I'm Joe Fian. I'm a tax partner with, uh, with Bloom Shapiro. Bloom Shapiro is a, the largest regional for New England uh, audit, tax, and advisory firm. So I'm a tax partner with the firm. We also do audit and we do advisory. Uh, our advisory folks are doing a lot in areas of, uh, you know, working remotely, cybersecurity, things like that, that we're advising clients on. Bloom is, you know, as you can understand, everything's kind of unfolding in real time. Uh, we're tracking all matters related to coronavirus 24-7. We have a website. You can see our dedicated coronavirus page at bloomshapiro.com. So that's who we are. And uh, I'm going to be able to talk to you today about the uh, the various federal legislation that's coming down to combat the virus. And that's, I mean, there's there's been so much speculation, confusion. I think there's been a lot of optimism and then people ultimately being disappointed. I know one arena that is been filled with confusion is independent contractors, people who work in any kind of element of the gig economy. So hopefully there'll be some relief for those people. Let's start more in larger businesses, though, and talking about relief, thinking of it in a top-down manner, so to speak, a big dog approach to this. Can you sort of break down the forms of relief coming? Right. So let's talk about what so we have a bill that it started off at uh, originally was an $850 billion relief package, and it, it very quickly grew to be north of, of $2 trillion T. Uh, so what's in there for, for, for businesses? And we'll talk with the large businesses. There's $500 billion earmarked for uh, loans, and that's the Treasury providing loans, loan guarantees, or investments. The investments could include equity stakes. Specifically addressed are the airlines. There's billion of that is earmarked for the airlines, 25 billion for passenger air travel, 4 billion for cargo air providers, and $3 billion for industry contractors, you know, such as the the outsourced people who handle handle catering, ticketing, aircraft cleaning. That's not the airlines themselves. That also may involve some independent contractors. Um, The remaining amount of money is about $450 billion, and there's going to be wide latitude uh, for loans to businesses and states and municipalities. So um, 
that's how we're going to do stop gaps. Now, there's a lot of restrictions on um, if you take this money. That was part of the grand bargain was there's a lot more restrictions than we had, say, the last time we did a big package like this. Right. 2008 would be the closest, obviously. Mm-hmm. When it, I mean, you see the, the the share prices surrounding the airline industry. I mean, there's there's optimism in certain sectors, certain vertical sectors right now. Broadly, how do you foresee this from a large business standpoint um, throughout different sectors immediately impacting the economy as in in terms of like tomorrow or next week? Right. Um, well, I think the one thing we have to kind of keep in mind is uh, some businesses are completely shut down. And they're going to need to take uh, these loans uh, to kind of not do layoffs, um, you know, and to to service debt, to do other things like that, that they they have pay, pay rent on lease facilities, things like that. Uh, but also keep in mind that there are some businesses that, um, you know, are are fully operating for businesses. Right. I don't think the um, the grocery stores or, or a Walmart or a Target are going to need to go to these funds because they're open for essential things Uh, for Rhode Island, you know, CVS, CVS is open and people are there for, you know, all all these things you need to kind of, to kind of live Uh, plus, you know, prescription medicines and stuff like that. So some businesses are going to be fine or maybe even see, you know, they're doing more revenue than they would do otherwise. And other businesses are going to really need to access this. I think businesses need to do kind of a cost benefit analysis on their own because there are some of these restrictions, right? They're going to be barred from making furloughs, pay cuts. A big issue around negotiating this deal was no stock buybacks, yes. right? Yep. Limitations on dividends. There's limitations on executive compensation. Um, so they're going to have to balance all of that. But I, really, the money is expected to be there for um, for those who need it. And again, wide latitude on structuring these loans. Yeah, no exe- the executive compensation factor, I mean, that's just a, a tangible element even for someone who's right now out of work and just thinking what the heck's going to happen with me so you see that at least there are some controls on this process there is conventional wisdom all right we've minted two trillion dollar coins and we're getting now into funny money even more so potentially than than we were before how does that impact fractional reserves and so forth but there are controls and as you say it's going to require each individual business and sector to make a decision based on they're standing in these bizarre times. Yeah, exactly. Plus, there's some other tax uh, incentives in there for the businesses. There, are, The bill modified um, how net operating losses are treated, and this will allow NOLs that were generated in 2018, 19, and this year to be carried back five years. So this, is a, this will give companies that have a loss this year the ability to file an amended return and get some cash back, right? So that's another mechanism to get to get cash right back to the businesses. And they did they took the opportunity to make some technical corrections around qualified improvement property. So um, businesses that are going to use maybe this money to do capital improvements, they're going to be able to um, write off these costs immediately, as opposed to capitalizing those costs. So again, using the tax code to kind of get money and cash into the hands of the consumer of the business. Let's move on to small businesses right now. There's, I mean, that term is so broad because it could literally be a, a, a single person. And obviously there's a lot of distance in the large business definition as well. I mean, there's, there are great differences there, but small businesses, I guess, removing the idea of independent contractors, 
Can you touch on the postponements of federal state tax deadlines and sort of explain how that is in and of itself a major potential stimulus for small business? Yeah. So um, if what the federal government did is they 415 tax day is now 715. It's, it's July 15th. And originally they, they just postponed the, the return was due. They moved the due date for the return, but they didn't move the payment date. So they quickly realized that wasn't going to work. So for federal purposes, uh, if you owed money and you were going to have to cut a check on uh, 415, you don't have to pay that money for three months. Um, if you're entitled to a refund, we're encouraging our, our clients that are entitled to money is get your return filed because you can get you can get money back quicker. So again, it varies on the type of business, but really it's a, uh, it would give you basically a three-month uh, interest-free loan um, to kind of keep some more money in the business. You're still going to owe that tax. It, we're just putting off the day of reckoning. A lot of the states have followed suit. Uh, some haven't yet. Massachusetts uh, hasn't yet issued a, um, a, a deadline pushback. Rhode Island has. So um, some of the other things that will impact small business is some states have also said, um, hey, you, can, um, your sale, you still have to collect your sales tax, but the money's not due until until June, Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. Uh, so those are those are things we're tracking again at Bloom, and you know we're we're making these resources available for our clients to kind of check out on the website. That's fascinating thought as well. Yeah, you collect the tax and essentially have a, a zero interest loan as long as you don't make a huge mistake in accounting between now yeah. and July fifteenth. All right, let's talk about Wait. freelancers, self employed, gig economy workers. I'm one of them. Um, yep. Look, you know I've been. I, I acknowledge the risk when I took it. I was living in New York. I, I left the firm I was at. I said, I'm going to go out on my own. I get it. There are things you can do to prepare. But at the same time, when the rug gets pulled out, it is a very, um, there aren't a lot of mechanics, I'll say, in the natural economy to get, um, you know, get bailed out other than what we're seeing right now. So if you can kind of touch on the benefits that are available for freelancers and then also yeah. just your opinion on, what does this say about how we, we treat that sector going forward in terms of its role in the economy and perhaps creating new funds to pay into? Yeah, no, that, that's a great question. I, I think what I'd like to, to address, is I, I think what we're really seeing here is um, Congress is recognizing the gig worker. Um, uh, so the prior bill, which I'll talk about, the, the Coronavirus Families First Act, which put in uh, paid sick leave and family leave, specifically covered gig workers. Um, so I really think, you know, we're, we're recognizing this is a huge part of the economy. Now, as you know, as a gig worker, you um, pay your, your taxes and you take, a, you take an employment credit for self-employment taxes paid. So this would allow uh, the, the prior bill, the one that already passed and mandated um, sick leave, 10 days of sick leave and uh, mandated family leave, partly unpaid, partly paid, um, a gig worker would be able to take that through a credit that is applied against their self-employment taxes bill that you pay. So again, they made a mechanism to do this. Now with the big stimulus bill we were just talking about, the one that's going to be voted on uh, tomorrow by the House, um, there there is stuff there for for gig workers. And there was a lot of lobbying by some of the big firms that you you use it. Specifically, I saw the CEO of Uber was talking to Congress about getting protections in that bill. Um, One of the things I think is going to come from this is 
there's a big debate over whether some of these companies that employ gig workers, aren't they really employees? And there's a, a large segment of elected officials that are kind of saying, hey, Uber, somebody driving a car for you 50 hours a week is not an independent contractor. That's your employee. Uh, this is outside of what we're talking about. But, you know, California has made some moves to kind of say, hey, treat gig workers as employees, open up health insurance to them, open up 401ks, things like that. Bill, I think the fact that we're talking about gig workers as part of these two huge pieces of legislation is going to highlight the fact that like, oh, wow, the, the guy who dropped off, who drove my Uber, he doesn't have a 401k through Uber. There's not an Uber match. There's not things like that. Um, and I think that's going to be a debate we're going to have over the next couple of years just as a country. I agree. And I think there will, there will also be some elements of compensation in certain jobs, whether you're talking about in the creative sector or in, I guess even in the service sector where it may not even be a wage increase, but just, as you say, developing programs, 401ks, opportunities to pay into rewarding types of accounts. Yeah. So we'll find out. It's fascinating. I, I have some optimism, though, that the, the maybe not a reclassification broadly, but there'll be renewed appreciation for the role that such workers play in building the, the infrastructure for others to make more wealth off of. So, I, you know, it's a yep, little bit exactly. of it. Yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's a maybe a silver lining. All right, let's go to state government, specifically here in Rhode Island. I messaged um, Treasurer Magaziner when this all started, and, you know, I, I really enjoy the Treasurer, but we got a nice word salad back from him about how the state was faring in the midst of all this. Realistically, mm -hmm. what does this mean for the state's unemployment insurance fund, tax and spending plan, overall budget? How does this affect things? Yeah. So um, there's a couple of things, right? So as, as you know, um, you pay in, you, if you're a worker, you, you pay into the state unemployment funds that the employers pay and it comes out of your, the employee's check, right? And the whole reason is it builds up a trust fund. And then when you need to claim unemployment insurance benefits, uh, it, it comes from that fund. It, the funds are administered by the states. So this legislation does a, a couple of um, interesting things. It, um, first off, provides an extra $600 a week that the feds are going to fund for unemployment insurance. That is intended to get you closer to what your salary would be, right? Because unemployment insurance only covers part of your salary. Um, the feds are also going to pick up the first week of, of funding, uh, and they're, gonna, they're going to also pick up an additional 13 weeks of unemployment and benefits after state programs are exhausted. And state programs, depending on the state, run anywhere from, say, 12 to, say, 30 weeks, right? Mm -hmm. We're doing a short-time compensation program that will provide unemployment benefits for employees who are on a reduced schedule. And again, that's going to be funded federally. So the feds are going to step in and take care of some of the funding that would otherwise fall on Rhode Island. That's in the current bill. The prior bill, the one we were talking about with the sick leave, and the family leave, that also provided direct aid to the states and will provide loans if a state sees a big spike in unemployment. So again, there's mechanisms to kind of help Rhode Island out by, by having this. Are you optimistic right now from, from your vantage point that this will shake things up broadly in, in a macroeconomic context, even outside of, you know, talking global economy and allow for some changes to make the system healthier and stronger and, and, and potentially more impacting upon the broader population. Do you feel like we're in a, in a position now where, again, I'm asking you to offer an opinion here, but just that we're, we might come out of this with a better economy than we started. 
Yeah, I would hope. I would hope so. I, I would think too. Um, I, I've seen a number of um, varying views on this. Um, where where you, the term that's being used, you know, by the legislators, by Congress, you're seeing in, in media is is stimulus. I mean, the better word might be rescue, right? Because I don't necessarily know if this program is going to stimulate the economy other than, than kind of rescue it, keeping the worst case scenario from unfolding. But I think what we're going to do is we're going to shore up some businesses that just, you know, really, hey, you know, if you're if you own a restaurant and the restaurant has to be closed, I mean, well, what do you do? You're going to kind of stop a worst case scenario. But we should also too remember that this is really to instill confidence. And if you have confidence, you know, I think that's the first kind of you lay the groundwork for a return to economic growth. Um, but also remember, too, that in addition to all this money, all, all these big businesses still have access to the capital markets, right? Uh, rates for borrowing are at all-time lows. So again, there's other, aside from this, there's other ways that, that companies can kind of shore themselves up. But I would hope at the end of the day, if we keep if this keeps the fundamentals of the economy strong, we see a return to growth. Last question, kind of an opinion. Again, I Sometimes we'll watch a little CNBC recap on my uh, on YouTube or whatever, and I, I got drawn into Davos this year. Cash is trash, a statement that I hear kind of coming out of macroeconomic circles. And I guess the idea that expanding to digital coins and commodities and, and not holding cash right now, is there any mm-hmm. merit to that statement or is that just sort of a – you know, an outdated way of looking at how to, you know, manage the economy, given that we've just minted $2 trillion coins. Yeah. Well, I think that's the whole idea of kind of like a digital coin, right? Is that there's a finite amount of it. Yeah. I guess the problem with that, if there's ever a finite amount of something, well, I'm not, I'm not giving it up. Right. So, um, you know, I, I think what you come down to, I mean, I think probably at the end of the day, you know, cash is king, right? Uh, I don't know if that's going to change. But um, to your point, I think it might be people who are really into those digital currencies and those other things might point to this by saying, well, you know, what is money, right? If we can just kind of say, hey, here's $2 trillion and the Fed can pump all this in, um, in order for something to have value, there has to be somewhat of a finite supply of it, right? So, you know, I think that that's how I would view it. All right. I'm, unless, Chris, if you're on the line, you've got anything you want to add, any, uh, any follow-up stuff I can edit in? That was a really great 19 minutes of content. Uh, Bill, Bill, do you want to talk about the postponement of the tax deadlines? Just because that's something people are going to be thinking about in the next couple of weeks. Uh, you mean on the state level or or the? Both. the we touched on the on moving to moving to July. Um, oh, I might have missed it. Yeah, that was <laughs> we did that. <laughs> it's all good. Yep. Yeah, nothing on. I, yeah, there's gonna be there's gonna be a delay of uh, payment of employer payroll taxes. Bingo. Yeah. Right, um, which is the six point two percent social security wage. That's gonna get kind of complicated. I think we're gonna put some stuff up on our website about how to manage that. But I really think the kind of thing to remember here is like you know they were writing this bill up until they they passed it, and we're all still kind of analyzing it. But in addition to the state, your federal income tax return being delayed, employer payroll taxes. There's a mechanism to allow uh, employers and then bill also gig workers to defer payment of the employer share of the social security tax. Um, And again, it would, um, it would defer this out past this year. So that's a way where, um, you know, that's another thing that's going to be delayed. You should watch out to that. Watch. You should track that and check our website because we will be doing updates. 
but self-employed individuals, gig workers will be able to delay the employer share, right? And then you have the mechanisms for credit for sick time and family leave time in the other bill. This is the Bartholomew Town Podcast. Folks, as you know, I normally post new episodes every Tuesday and Friday this week and probably into next week, the week after that. I'm not sure when it will end. I'm just going to keep rolling out episodes as information comes in. Also going to be doing more and more live streaming on Facebook and on Zoom, um, reporting every day on Twitter and Instagram. Just search Bartholomew Town wherever you get your content, and I'll meet you there.